Hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John, and welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive critical eye. That's right. And to avoid lazy negativity, we decided to make this episode a little bit of a drinking game. Mm-hmm. So anytime you hear anything negative on this podcast at all, our job is to be positive. So if you hear anything negative at all, we're going to play this sound. And that sound means that we have to Ooh. take a drink. And we actually help you play along with us and drink along. So pour yourselves a glass. Ready your shots, gentlemen, and we're going to ask that question we ask every time M. Night Shyamalan comes out with a film. Did he do it this time? Yep. Cheers. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Ooh. I've, just, I've decided, I've decided, there's a lot of different, the Shamaverse has a lot of different things, but I think that the binary for me that is the most interesting is good ending movie doesn't live up to the ending. Or good movie, we didn't live up to the ending. Obviously, there's exceptions <laughs> to that, but I feel like that's what I'm most curious to hear about you two. I don't know. I, I, I balance. Keep, I keep. I, I, there's a whole debate started now about the village. Like they they did it wasn't really that bad. Basically, the whole internet is doing our, our gig, and uh, people are Great. people are talking about like the village. And I had to laugh when I saw. And I, I told you about this earlier, but I had to laugh when I saw the video of M Night Shyamalan talking about it, and he's like, "Well, you know." People, you know, we kind of misled them a bit. People thought they were going in to see the scariest movie they've ever seen. And instead, they got a really good drama. And I was like, did they? Dave. <laughs> we talked about The Village. I think I we, were, yeah. we were... Okay, wait, really? We're talking about Knock on the Cabin. Knock at the Cabin today. Knock at the Cabin, which, of course, is in theaters only. <laughs> he has compared himself to Christopher Nolan and uh, Quentin Tarantino as <laughs> filmmakers that need to get their movies I out mean, in the, the theater. The difference is he's... We, we laugh, but you know what? He fucking loves making movies, and you know what? He gets his movies made. Well, they all get made. Self, they all get done. He's been self-financing since 2015. Yeah, wouldn't and you making, if you just came and out And making his money back. Like, like poof, yeah. Poof. He's been making his money back, so, you know, more power to him. More power to him. And guess what, Dave? I I know our metrics are a little crazy, but old is our most downloaded podcast to date. And guess what, John? You weren't there. So I, took the hit. I know. I really yeah. should just should just stop. I know. I know. So I know. We're, we're happy to, we're happy to have you today, even though it means our ratings are gonna take a hit. I, I we're feel very like, happy to have all three of us. I feel here. like sixty five year old Republicans <laughs> are downloading it by accident thinking it's a hate manual or something. But that's what they are. Yeah. Dude, that movie, I was with a group of people the other night and that movie came up again and I heard people get into a fight again over whether or not they think <laughs> it is as bad as everybody says it actually is, or if it had something to say, just like all of his movies and I can't wait to talk about that. Oh, they all have something to say. It's just a matter of, like, did did it get said? David, sometimes when Dave and I do the two-person show, we just go, we go from the beginning and we move forward in the movie as opposed to doing, like, the macro and just start, you know, splattering things like Jackson Pollock. And when we got to the ending, like, 45 minutes into the episode, both of us were like, this is such a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Just like Facebook, right, John? Just like uh, (laughs) somebody. The ending, if if you just did that as a short film, that would have been great. So anyway, we don't want to spoil the review of old or anything. And and you know what? It was one of the first movies back to the theater. So it got us back. Kudos. He will pack a house every time because it's like, is this going to be the, the time he gets it right or the time that it really blows up or, you know, like, because he's, he's had a lot of successful films. So you're right. Do you remember the line though in Alder? He was like, 
the guy like went underwater and he's like, I've waited a minute and a half and he has not resurfaced. So I'm going to pack up all of my equipment and leave. Despite that, the fact that was the <laughs> least thing wrong with that movie. Dude, they, those people knew way no, too much didn't. about fucking quantum physics. I'm sorry. But he, Hey, you know what? He loves his actors though, because one of the actresses in old is in this film. One of his actors from servant is in this guys. Welcome to the love of cinema podcast. <laughs> if you are new to oh, us, please like, and subs- <laughs> please like, and subscribe. If you're only here to, to, if you're only here to hear, I don't know why that sounds weird to say. If you're only here to get our takeaway of the film, we do keep it spoiler free for a couple minutes in case you haven't seen it. But just like all M. Night Shyamalan movies, it's hard to talk about the movie without getting into spoiler territory. So it'll probably be very quick. Did you like it? Yes or no? And then we'll move on. But you got to look at the episode notes because we have a couple things we have to get through. So scoot along if you're in a rush or something or sit back and drink with us. We're going to give you our recommendations of things that we've seen this week at the end of the podcast. And we'll just get a couple things off our chest before we get going in the next couple minutes. But why don't we go to John really quick for some shout outs and then we'll move on. Shout outs. We have a beer sponsor. His name is Carlos Barozo. That is C-B-A-R-R-O-Z-O dot beer. That's the handle for Instagram. Maybe some of his other socials. I'm not totally sure. Check them out and let me know. Uh, and uh, the music on this episode is provided by the artist Dasein. That's D-A-S-E-I-N. Dasein. You can find their music available for free on all the usual music platforms. Uh, so uh, give them some love as well. And like us, love us, commit us at the love of cinema. Yeah, and also, uh, just just for anyone who's listened to previous shows, I was typing the whole time through when John was speaking. Just have a listen. Let me know if you can hear me typing. <laughs> I actually didn't hear anything. Yeah. <laughs> so good for you. Yeah, but you're yeah, being a, but right. you're <laughs> real, but you're a, a dick. So. John, how yeah, you doing? Are you in a good mood? Great. Yeah, how you doing? It's early for you over there. Uh, it's not too early. Coast. It's 5.30. I'm feeling, I'm feeling okay. I'm happy to, happy to be here and support you guys talking about how better your episode was when I wasn't here. <laughs> Good. To be fair to me, I'm just going to sit back and uh, I I really thought about just sitting back and listening to you guys do this one again, but I would just be here physically so I could, you know, like heckle you throughout. Jeff, that's two weeks in a row. Someone on the show has called you out for being a dick during the intro. You know, I do. I do want to apologize to my guests. I, in in hindsight, my, uh, my goal was to make both of you laugh, which it did, but it definitely came at the expense of our guests. So I am very, very, very sorry, Tina. Uh, It was definitely... It was a little too Will Smith, where Will Smith laughed at the joke and then got angry. And I, I, I or no, that, maybe that's not exactly what I meant. He, it was. At least she didn't smack the shit out of one of us. Like, that's correct. Yeah. That was a bad. I shouldn't have referenced that. It's almost the Oscars, but anyway. Yeah, um, yes, come at me. I deserve two. it. I deserve it for sure. Anyway, um, so we're talking about knock at the cabin. Can't wait to talk about it. Let's do our gripes. Anything else before we do our gripes, Dave? Any news you want to shout out? Uh, no. No. All right. All right. So who's got some gripes? Do we have gripes? All three of us. Oh, Dave, I smell a grape. Yeah, yeah I, can, I feel like you came in hot today with a grape. Really yeah, I, 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 I got two listed here. I'm going to choose between them. I know, I got a list too. All right, so uh, when you're booking your tickets online through the AMC app, and this is like an, an AMC problem, um, no matter what theater you're booking, be it Lincoln Center in New York, Times Square in New York, whatever, you pretty much get the same fucking theater map. But the seats aren't all the same. <laughs> like, for instance, Times Square, Dolby Cinema, which is where I saw this one this week, you could quite effectively sit in anything down to row C, and it's a perfectly good seat. Like, any further back and you're losing the audio, any further forward you lose, like, the Dolby mix a little bit. But IMAX Picky. in Lincoln Center, you, you fucking, like, if you sit anything before, like, row F or G, 
you're in the movie and can't see the fucking edges of the screen. So like, and the, none of the maps reflect that. The maps should be theater accurate. Cause like I go, I go to like three different theaters and I'm booking and I'm trying to fucking, I got a list. I have to look up a list every time to tell me which row not to book in each theater. Get your fucking maps together. Jesus. Um, I'm Dave, you know. Our technical, <laughs> our, our technical uh, trio made an advisor. You might want to update your app cause mine are all, exactly correct over here i don't know how new york does it down but uh There's things like the, actually, but also you were gonna like the, theater, the dolby uh, cinema in times square i mean it might, they might just not correct. give a shit but like if you book row a you're still well, you 15 20 feet from the screen because there's a stage area at the front that's not on the map yeah i thought you were going to complain about like balconies and stuff because i actually don't if there is a balcony it listed in the map for lincoln square mm -hmm. i don't see it and like road l or whatever is in the balcony wow. and it looks like a great seat on the thing and i i don't maybe i'm wrong but i just did this yesterday wow. and i don't remember seeing like this is the balcony written in and i also don't remember it saying you are underneath an overhang if you sit in these rows so i will I will second you with that. It's okay, John. This is an, it's a podcast. Nobody nobody listening knows that you just disappeared for a second. Yeah, YouTube's going to see something really funny. Yeah, but they could have some fun. <laughs> yeah, right, that's John, weird. John, grape about your uh, internet connection. Did you hear, did you hear my did you hear my response to your thing though? Could you hear that at all? No. Which one? Which one? To your gripe? Did you hear me respond to your gripe at all? Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, you only dropped out for a second. Yeah, you said your map's oh, great. Yeah. Mine went completely. I couldn't hear anything, and I lost you guys entirely. Anyway. Um, no hardcore gripe, although a uh, shout out yeah. to John, the John has North a, Carolina, John has Charlotte. A, John has a Chinese satellite above his house right now. Not <laughs> so, anymore. Very cool. yeah, yeah. So, I was just saying, well, actually, there's one there. Uh, they shot the one down, I think, in, in North Carolina, didn't they? Yesterday. Off, it was I believe it was off, Charlotte. off the coast. Off yeah. the coast. Yeah, just off the coast. So uh, good for you guys. You waited till it covered the entire country before you decided to pull guys, the trigger there. Guys, oh, they were, they were blocking it the whole way through. Guys, you blocking it. You guys know because sure. you know that you know that they yeah, were trying the to guy test running with tinfoil and along the ground you know, underneath is, it. Just kind of realizing <laughs> how ironic it is that uh, that at the beginning of our positive film podcast we complain about everything and then, <laughs> and then we move right into the. That's the point. We need to get us wins. drinking. Yeah. We need to get us drinking. <laughs> we have a, we have a skip I, point. <laughs> well, hold on, I I have, I have a great, but it's sort of relevant to the balloon thing, but not. It's not. Okay, go All ahead. Right. So the water wars have begun. This is my preface. This is not my gripe. The water wars have begun. John, mm. you actively put yourself in a state that doesn't, your your mantra isn't how to conserve water. It's how to use as much of it as possible before it runs out. Hashtag yeah. um, the, the almond farms. They don't try they to conserve. Yeah. yeah, they yeah. say, you guys stop watering your grass. So, anyway, that's not the point of this. Um, um, Britain, the average Brit next year might be, uh, might have less money than the average Slovenian. No knock on Slovenia. That's just surprising to us here in the Western cu cultures. So all I'm saying, is the Chinese art the article about how China's population is declining and it was a bad thing? Go fuck yourself, people. Population decline is fucking great. It is so great. And any metric that says it's bad proves that we are in we're playing the wrong game here. All right. If the economics are bad because people aren't sucking resources and destroying our planet, which by the way, Goldman Sachs has a growth um a forecast that increased this year despite getting this population. You know what I mean? So obviously the short term is fine economically. But this it's so Population decline is good. I, I'm so sick in, of people saying it's not in, good. It's, well, it's, it's there, the there, only there is, way. No, it is, is the only way. It, there, it, that, you're right. But there is also that one instance where if everyone stops having kids and the population ages, suddenly no one's contributing to your social security programs. 
Uh, because we'll and to make we're, we're not getting yeah. that anyway. So. A, yeah, true. Yeah, we're not gonna get even though, even though we're, yeah, we're just to clarify, just to clarify. I'm talking about civilized countries, decline, not you guys. It's, it's birth rate decline. We we went from seven billion to eight billion in twelve years. No, no, just China. Billion. China has a smaller population this year than they had last year. Which and, and I'm sure you heard the same article. Apparently, like that could have been true. Like maybe up to five or six years ago. I mean, based my on the question statisticians is, that were starting maybe, to analyze but, but that every, stuff this in 2015, happened, This, this came out during it. COVID too. You've nailed it. All these new streaming services are population control. Everybody's watching sure, TV. Well, Nobody's hey. fucking. I mean, they had the one-child nation for a very long time, and our entire generation, whether we like it or not, in the Western world is yeah, having crazy. to probably choose to have one or two children because, because of our, of money. Yeah. Yeah, because of money. So, I mean... But I want to yeah. go back to Britain really quick because the, the average Brit, the Aslivian thing... Okay, right now, think, this is think like the, carefully. We have people downloading our episode in... in great. England. This is the third <laughs> prime minister in a row that's pro-leaving the EU, even though the EU I mean, is the reason that all of this problem is happening. Okay, but that, so that's not really the, fair because you covered a month there with three <laughs> prime ministers. <laughs> <laughs> all, all I'm saying is, rather than talk about goods and resources and money, what it means is that the the wealthy people, aka those that end up finding their way into the fucking prime minister's <laughs> position, apparently, um, they are they are probably benefiting disproportionately that off of everybody else who is not making any money, but their contributions are making certain people's lives better. So it sucks more for people who have more, and. Or no, it sucks less for people who are having more. Or their finances, they're worried about it long term. But like the average person gets hit the most by this. So population decline is is maybe just having fewer people is the best thing that everybody could do. By the way, John, did you tell me to update my home. AMC app? I'm the technology god of this podcast. Fuck you. I told you. I, that's, I prefaced it by saying you are our tech guy. I'm not even drinking for that because I said that first. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think this is a good time to talk about an apocalypse movie since you're you're Yes, that's it, why yeah, I chose that script up, this so week. Happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Well, I feel bad for commentating this episode. John, would you like to set up our M. Night Shyamalan movie this week? Sure. I will start with um, anyone who has never heard of uh, Mr. M. Night Shyamalan, you're you're stupid. So just, just know who <laughs> wow. that guy is. Jeez, John. Um, <laughs> yeah, He's not I mean, wrong, but I still had to buzz him for that. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Whatever. I guess, I guess I'll drink to that. IMDb blurb. For a knock at the cabin, while vacationing, comma, a girl and her parents are taken hostage by armed strangers who demand that the family make a choice to avert the apocalypse. Oh, boy. All right. Thereby so cementing a... this as the second worst Airbnb experience in 12 I, months. I thought the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a whole lot of fun. They, they, of, uh... they do have a little hint there. Like, there's a little welcome package and stuff on the table. It's like, this is a fucking Airbnb. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They need they need some kind of button that you push that like overrides when somebody snips your phone lines. In. <laughs> so it's written by uh, he's got some co-writers on on board this time with M Night Shyamalan still mm-hmm. still writing uh, and a head screenplay credit with M Night, but uh, he's got Steve Desmond and Michael Sherman. Uh, Michael Sherman also wrote North Pole Enterprises and Monsters, and Desmond Steve Desmond oh monsters uh, wrote Harry's All Night Hamburgers. <laughs> And monsters uh, as well. I do guess they, they co-wrote that. Do you think Steve Desmond's um, IMDb profile picture was taken in a Denny's? Or no, maybe it's like a TGI Fridays. Monsters. Yeah, it is. It is a booth. <laughs> Mon- monsters was actually the that was the first film to be entirely produced uh, using the Adobe Suite. Oh. Yeah, and and didn't that visual effects and all of that? Didn't he go on to do the Godzilla movies? Uh, I, I know he did at least. 
I think he did the sequel as well. There was another Monsters movie that wasn't as No, I lied to you. It was Steve, Steve Desmond made that. Okay, one. so there yeah. you go. I think we're thinking of a different Monsters, Dave. I don't know if it's the okay. one that... I think I know exactly which one you're talking hmm. about. And anyway, that one... Anyway, doesn't matter. Okay, M. Night Shyamalan wrote it, directed it with those guys. Dave Bautista starring the helm. He's definitely the main actor. Yeah. The, the couple, the two male, uh, the male leads who are inside the cabin that they are trying to get to, uh, you know put off the apocalypse by by making a very difficult choice that we'll get into are Jonathan Groff. You might know that gentleman from um, Mind Hunter. Uh, it's a great Woodstock, show. I wish they'd finish Taking it. Woodstock, uh, The Hamilton. He plays King George. Anybody who saw that on stage, yes. the Hamilton uh, recording Lucking. of Hamilton, whatever. Yeah. And uh, looking, uh, Ben Aldridge plays the the other father, Daddy Andrew. Daddy Andrew. Daddy, Daddy Andrew. Andrew. So sexy. And uh, maybe you forgot what this guy was doing, but uh, Rupert Grint? Is it Grint. Grint? John, yeah. John's Googling again. Rupert Grint. <laughs> is it Rupert Grint? It really is. Grint, yeah. Yes. All right. Fucking, um, fucking Harry Potter. And what a departure <laughs> for <name>? him. <laughs> what is his name in Harry Potter, dude? Ron, um, Ron Weasley. Ron, dude. Jesus Christ. He's, he's there as... We're going to get into this, but I don't know, you guys. This was a, another insulated idea for Mr. M. Not Shyamalan. He was trying to stretch it out, get some actors together, and make a lot of money from the sales. Was, we'll see was, what uh, what everybody thought about it. This movie came to him. Uh, the novel written by Paul Tremblay, The Cabin at the End of the World, was given to him to produce, and then he stepped away because he thought that the book doing a one-to-one wasn't cinematic for him, his tastes. So then once the director passed, then they went back to him and said, okay, you can make the changes you need to make. Um, so it did. he did have some and- Source material. Change he did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who wants to start it off? What'd you think? What were your thoughts? Dave? All right. First of all, I'm going to help you out here. Um, this is everyone always goes into these films going, what's the twist going to be? What's the twist going to be? Don't wait for the twist with this one because the I, I found like if you just let yourself fall into the story with this, I really enjoyed it. Like, don't be waiting for the twist because you know, there might not be one or the twist is something so subtle. You don't even realize there's a twist would be my, my thing. Um, yeah, this was a really good suspense story. And I changed sides at least twice between the, with the dialogue back and forth of what's going on in the, in the cabin. So yeah, I had, I sat down and I enjoyed this and I walked out going, you know what? I didn't feel cheated by that at all. I didn't feel cheated by mm. that. What a glowing endorsement. <laughs> no, well, that was, that was, remember my review of old? Like, I was like, cheated as fuck. I was like, the, like, the twist was great, but we did the journey getting there was fucked. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. It, but in this case, the journey was just as good as the ending. All right. So back to my, um, very good. My, um, I forget the word I use, but, the polarity. What the fuck did I say? The the, the, the binary. Back to the binary. What talking about? Okay. <laughs> okay. John, what did you think? But no, you seem to be. In a, I don't. I, I. I'm getting a sense here. I, I. I agree with Dave. To believe it, believe it or not, I agree with Dave. Actually, I saw it. 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 Um. I think the word that was used in like the the Rotten Tomatoes consensus pick, because you know I I really try to source my thoughts, you know, from the best. Um. Was that a, they, called, they just called it a chiller. They said something like it's like an upper tier Shyamalan, which isn't necessarily a glowing review, if we're being honest. But <laughs> but um but they they called it not a dystopia. They just they just used the word chiller, and I was like, yeah, that's good. It's not. I mean, I guess it's a thriller. I mean, it doesn't waste any I, fucking time either. You're like in it. Great, get yeah. in there, get in, get going. 
Um, Preamble out the window. Let's go. Violent or, it's not too violent or gory. Not a lot of jumps. Not a lot of scares. Mm. Pretty good premise. Even the way they introduced... We, we already used the word apocalypse. Even the way they introduced the apocalypse, it's almost like Dave Batista was saying, like... I know, I know how it sounds, but I'm gonna do my speech anyway. You know, so like they had, they kind of tip their cat to it. It's not like the trees did it. Oh, it wasn't like that when they said apocalypse. <laughs> oh God! Um, and then you know, just the, for the, mentioning that. <laughs> and then like the the tropiness of of apocalypse movies, you know, it, it comes around a little bit. But even they do it in a way that again, it seems to be pretty self aware. And I feel like my word for movies that I've liked so far this year, movies that know what they are. AKA movies that are self-aware seem to be working so far at the beginning of 2023. This is Megan. This is missing. And I, 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 I enjoyed this movie. Could it have been more something? Sure. But it definitely could have been less too. And I, don't, uh, I, don't think I think it was pretty consistent from beginning to end. Yeah, I don't think anything will ever have the punch of the sixth sense. And that's what you go in there looking for every time. I right. would say, don't do that. Don't and go in looking his- for anything and just sit back and enjoy what happens. And Sixth Sense does well on a rewatch. I think some of his other ones do too. Uh, we we mm. we liked watching the vill- the village, um, knowing the ending and knowing that that wasn't going to get us. So just to like put it at bay. And I think we really like when we were talking about it on a different episode. Mm. Go through our feed, people. We talked about the village <laughs> in movies of I forget what year that was. Um, and Unbreakable, I think, is better on the rewatch. Oh yeah. Um, he called me Mr. Glass. The first time was a little cheesy, but the second time when you know it's coming, it's it's. I think it's fun to watch it knowing that. Anyway, ultimately, I'm, I'm positive. John? I think this is a... It's exactly what you think it's going to be. I think I think that's probably the, the best way to put it. Like, I went in with, you know, the expectations that I think most people go in nowadays with M. Night Shyamalan movies, and I don't know. I think it delivered on um, probably what most people who are looking for from if they've seen any teasers or trailers or poster campaigns um i really didn't know anything about this movie going in except for the posters around town here in los angeles and this is kind of what i thought it was going to be some tiny little insulated story which is always fun that's going to have uh gigantic you know repercussions on the rest of the world and humanity and i think he pulls that off does it um (laughs) or does it yeah yeah (laughs) i think uh i'm I'm definitely going to have some more nitty-gritty comments to make about the sure. uh, the way things flesh out in the second half um but if you go in with reasonable expectations then i think you're going to be reasonably satisfied yeah. i guess my only thing that i would say big picture is that no nah, i'll wish- save that i'll save that for later i'll save you, it for later you wish I, there were I, more grasshoppers i do have one they really let, they really heard, let the grasshoppers heard, go I, i'll just I will, I will just gently point out to my two co-hosts that they both just said just like megan and just like this movie they were fine they were fine and the this is movies more than fine. aren't really movies aren't supposed to be fine or mediocre like you know i mean if you're gonna put all that time and money into it and ask people to spend 26 this bucks this was more than fine this is more than fine for me Things are tough, yeah. man. This is I, when I you're dealing s- with an insulated story like this. And this is no knock on M Night. Uh, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm really not. Like, I thought, I thought that this was better than maybe some of his more recent ones. It's not even about apples and oranges. But when we're living in a world where we see insulated anthology-style shows like Black Mirror that do stuff like this all the time, really, really, really well. So it's hard to, to make a movie out of this kind of insulated thing and say, "Come watch this and come sit down and it'll be worth your time and money." And um, 
when we get into the storytelling for the second half of this, the way he introduces the end of mankind through chapters of, um, I think that there are things that kind of fell into the, fell into the cracks of mediocrity in a way that did not need to happen. And I'm, I wasn't happy about it. I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, it was fine. I thought it was great. Uh, it was okay. It was okay. This is fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Look, I like more of like- that later. I like Lombardi's pizza. I like John's on on Maine. You know, I like um, Arturo's pizza. But La Familia's is fucking good, too. You know what? And sometimes I want a slice. La Familia gives me that slice, and I'm fucking satisfied. So when you want a piece of mediocre pizza, find a thing. It's better than mediocre. (laughs) It cheers me up more than most food. I, I will and say, I still, eat, you're still you're proving my point. You're one, still and I'm going to get a little technical here, though, but one thing I didn't like was I felt like they didn't do their due diligence on the Dolby dialogue mix. Because I saw this in Dolby Cinema. Same. Like the gunshots and like the examples of like when they cut away to news footage of the apocalypse um, that was supposedly happening, um, they were like redlining the audio. But sometimes you missed a piece of dialogue here and there. Like it was, it was, I'm not sure if it was like mumbling and that was as far as they could push it or what, but like there, there were times where I was like, what did they say? Hmm. In my theater. I didn't really have that problem, but hmm. I know what you mean. I saw it in Dolby too. It might, maybe right. my theater cool, wasn't configured well. It's definitely well. a cool like, idea. I will, I do want to say this in very, very positive way. I kind of felt like watching the, and I didn't know that this was adapted until I saw the opening credits, which, which were cool. I liked yeah, the I love kind of throwback the 80, style of the opening like credits. Horror, it looked like an 80s horror movie opening credits. Yeah, it was fun. Right down to the logo. I didn't super love the drawings in the background and stuff. It kind of looked like movie production design, but I, I liked Always the actual something. design of the credits. Um, Do we buzz for that? Or I really, I thought it was refreshing. <laughs> I thought it was refreshing seeing him adapt something that was not his own. And what Dave said is like true... This is probably the only, and I haven't seen old, and I'm probably never going to see it. Sorry. But I'm, I <laughs> haven't seen old. Sorry, no, wrong person. <laughs> the wrong person. But it was kind of fun, and it, really, it was refreshing, and I think, I think he did some things better in this movie than he's done in a long time because this wasn't building to some crazy twist where M. Night, we've talked about three of his movies on this podcast now, you guys. And like you kind of just get into that thing you, you know we talked about in the village where you're just like forced into this mindset of where is it going where's the twist where's it going where's the twist yeah and Ugh. I didn't think this was gonna have a twist like I got the feeling early on that this really wasn't gonna be that it's more of a suspenseful kind yeah. of just watch it play out kind of story and it was in a way I thought it was kind of nice to see him stretch his legs a little bit and do mm. something different and yeah. I'm not saying that he's not a very very talented writer. But it was cool seeing him work with other writers on a piece of material that didn't revolve around from that specific structure. And I think yeah. in a lot of ways, there are there are a lot of very successful and fun moments in this movie that are probably better than than a lot of things that he's done in the past, you know, decade or so. And that's I really don't want to be mm. critical. I think I'm more of a fan of him than most people. Also, are. I just I just want to point someone there was someone put something on Twitter uh, earlier today. Um, to the woman who went into her screening and laughed every time something bad happened to the gay couple, like laughed loudly and then sang uh-huh. hymns all the way through the ending credit, the top of her lungs. Don't do that. You're an asshole. Don't do that. I second that. Yeah. Mm. Should we move into spoilers? Let's move into spoilers. Should, Cause I, 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 some I have something. Yeah. Wait, can I say some things yeah. that I like really quick? I'm just going to rapid fire them. Mm. I like that the flashbacks were quick and underwritten. 
Yep. I liked um, that there was always the apocalypse. We know it's crazy. And the crazier that it was getting, the more they doubted. I feel like they played with that pretty well for a while with the little Jonathan Groff concussion thing messing it up. And the performances were good. So I, I think those are three positives. The performances were great. Like Batista yeah. really shone for me. It's one of the best performances I've ever seen from yeah. him. And and the dialogue was almost inhuman. Like it was and very by rope. Also, but let's, I, I felt I mean, struggle with it a little let's bit. Let's talk about cool. Rupert Grint because that was a that was a huge departure for him. Wait, I want to say one thing really quick before you praise him. M. Night Shyamalan, I'm blaming you. If he sounds British in two lines, just do another fucking take or dub it. I don't understand why you print that. I just like, because so many people are going to hear that and go, he just went British right there. And it's not his, yeah, he did. He should have been better. But come on, you put that in the movie? There's like two <laughs> lines that were just incredibly British and everything else was perfectly, perfectly believable Massachusetts. Come on, people, take care of your actors. Like, mm. don't, don't print that. I don't get why they did that. Okay, rant over also i i want to oh yeah that's right we have that penalty thing um kristen sway the little girl stole Mm -hmm. the fucking show for me like her reactions were amazing especially like there was one one that we'll talk about in spoilers um like i don't know how they got that sort of reaction out of her she's only done two things but yeah she's she's got some skills that was a that was a really good child actress performance all right, let's All right. move into spoilers. Oh, we were in spoilers. Oh, sorry. Did I spoil anything? Spoilers. No, okay. Spoilers are on. Spoilers are on. All right, ask away. All right. Do your worst. Well, I mean, you guys can go first if you want. I, I do want to praise the opening was kind of taught you. There's kind of a campiness to this movie that yeah. is very much intended. And it's, it's taught to you very quickly in the opening dialogue between Batista and the girl. Um, so... J- you know that dude, is what it is it's, the, it's the tone of the film dude, the fu- it, it, it's the, the fucking focus puller would have been in rehab out of this movie the fo- i was <laughs> i'm gonna ask you about the focus and the lens choices and stuff for yeah. sure opening shot was out of focus there were there was at least one other that i picked up on as the well opening and they shot and it wasn't just film like they kept was out of focus they kept cutting back to it as well like there's one i wasn't where crazy was i dave like no. i think you know I think about it all no, the time now it's kind of like i learned about it and now i can't not see it and uh-huh. dave you have heard you talk about that too and so I try to just, you know, watch, of course, I and mean, not think about it. But the like, first shot of the film. And they're on a wide pretty much there. So, yeah. like, it's it's is, almost like they didn't set their back focus properly. And he said, he said really in this interview, he said in this interview I listened to, partly probably because he does kind of self-finance as being an executive producer on the films and having his own sort of um, um, treasure trash, the money to finance these things. He said he's a big reshooter. So if something doesn't work, he'll throw the whole day out and reshoot it. Oh. So I guess the opening shot was intentionally out of focus. I, maybe, I don't even miss it. I don't... Maybe check your fucking dailies. I don't know. <laughs> but all the other ones were intentional. I don't know if they were. A lot of close-ups. But anyway, I liked, back to the opening, yes. And I liked the gentle giant who doesn't want to be threatening but has to. Even though it led you to believe it was going to be more of a slasher. But that's okay. It's it, it was Okay, back to you, John. Mm. Yeah. And as I just caveat, as I started asking you guys these questions and we talk more about how they fleshed out the story, I've never read the book. I don't know what they took from the book. And I don't know if this is the book true to it. And that's just how it is. And it was pretty so true. Of course, to these it. might be things that aren't, you know, his that are M. Knight's fault necessarily. Yeah. That's the twist. Um, the ending of the book is completely different. Different yeah. people survive to the end. Uh, and then the, the, the book ends completely differently to the movie. Okay, cool. Well, um, I guess let's just kind of go from you know, go through it chronologically as these, these four people are, you know, c- uh, come upon this house and this 
this scenario gets presented fairly, it's quick enough. It takes about 20 minutes before you know what's happening. These four people are trying to get in because they're trying to convince this this gay male couple and their adopted child that one of them, so they need to kill one of their family members to save the world. Or else four giant plagues are going to happen and there goes all of humanity. Yeah. So they were the four horsemen, essentially. Yeah. That is a gigantic idea. And I think as we move forward in this conversation and we start just chit-chatting about stuff, I'm just going to point out there are multiple times in this movie where what M. Night does so well in so many of his his canon that I think is his greatest strength and greatest weakness is that he introduces big ideas and then just moves past them or doesn't flesh them out in a very cinematic way. How do you think he moved? Because um, it, the time was the thing for me. It was the reason he didn't flesh it out too much. Because they were like, yeah, it might sound ridiculous, but we don't have time. You know what I mean? So what, what do you mean yeah. by they, they blew by it? Well, all right, let's start with, um, you know, we could, whether or not the themes and what he was intending this movie to be about, the fact that you open up the idea that they can ask questions and that the four horsemen or whatever, these four people, are willing mm. to kind of tell you some of their backstory, why do they only have an eighth of a conversation when clearly the rule is we can have a back and forth and we can actually know a little bit more? Like, it's, it felt like it was half, it was introduced fully and then half executed. So it just put, it, I felt like I was consistently being put in a position as an audience member where I was like, there's logic in this world though. Ask them why they're doing that. And they would tell you apparently. I feel like- Did you not feel I, that way no, ever like, at all? Like, I feel they like were that like, was covered. We met but... on a message board. We saw visions. It's, it's like they, I feel like they were saying just enough for the tension of the scene to get to a certain place. I mean, those were but also Mr. X as well to, to keep you going. Well, hang on. All of a sudden there's a correlation between these people is, are these people just psychos? And then it shifts back to is, is the concussion affecting what this guy's seeing? And then the other one is just total disbelief. Like he yeah. never comes around at the risk I, of sounding like a simpleton. I feel like they gave you the concussion thing and they gave you these other little mini obstacles to play with time enough to like, make it seem like 12 hours went by and they, they said they asked all they could. I mean, the concussion thing was Even necessary though, for him to come around to belief. I mean, the bit, just for anyone listening to this, the big difference between the book, and I'm going to ruin the book here for anyone who uh, wants to read it, so probably skip this bit. Um, basically, at the end of the book, they get to a point where Leonard has the gun, they're scuffling for the gun, and the daughter gets shot and killed. Um, but because she didn't choose it, it doesn't count. So he then puts the back on them for the, one of them oh, to choose to die. Shit. And they and then he kills himself and they go, fuck you, and decide not to and drive out into the apocalypse. It's a cool ending. It, it is a cool ending. ending. And I feel like that was the I twist mean, that he didn't use that. Well, one of the things he said in an interview was like it would have made them seem very selfish um, to not, make that decision on behalf of humanity and he didn't want that for those characters all right let me try to let me try to frame it another way because you guys really loved this movie uh when, when <laughs> in the second half that's the point of our podcast is to like this when they, have, when they have um all right they kept going back to the television yeah riddle me fucking this why, why did the planes fall out of the air and all electronics everywhere else continued working yeah aerodynamics would still work i think you're right yeah. We, so that's because still, that, so the, still, the electronics go crazy, just like the uh, the the Max. Sorry, the the, the Max. Um, all right. Well, so no, that, again, that I don't know falls, if this is 
I think I don't know if this happened in the book, and I, I don't care. But there were so many opportunities in that second half where, like, you kept why why were they not forced to figure things out differently? This like why would the television not work? And then they would be now we have a dilemma where they Leonard can't prove that it's happening. Well, that, yeah, that was... and maybe they have to go outside and they have to see what's happening. Mm. And I do, just, I, I do wish like we was... didn't see the clouds. I wish I wish they never saw the clouds. If I were being well, I, d- I did like the fact that they used the the TV's attention builder to to include these big shots. My my I mean my biggest gripe is where the fuck did they get that footage from of the tidal wave? Oh, it's um California. It's just three years in the future. Sorry. <laughs> Why did I get fucking? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I guess it was a, a live stream, but yeah, sure. Where do they get that footage? Yeah, uh, that was yeah, that the was one time the, where I was like, the hang phone on a kept minute. working underwater. I don't know if you knew this, but the phone just kept working. But uh, yeah, I was. Um, I I feel like I didn't mind the the planes so much because one of the things, if you're going for the tension, is why is this happening? I don't know. And that's immediately a tension heightener. Like Stephen King even said, one of the best things to do is like never show the monster or never never give a reason. And it it builds the tension because sometimes just bad shit happens to people. And this was one of those cases where like the planes just started falling out of the sky for no adequately explained reason. Why is it doing it? We don't know. It's fucking terrifying. Guys, Hamilton's a Broadway musical. You know what else was? Mamma Mia ran for 10 years. Cats ran for 20. All right. So it's like, you know. It's a crazy world. A, you're right. This is not Tarkovsky. You're right. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I was, they, they I was on board for the planes. The I, I had problems with the timing of like, you know, how did they get that tidal wave footage? And then he's like, well, this happened earlier. Did you not see the timestamp? And I was like, oh, hang on. Like, is this real? Is this not? And like, everything was playing with my mind in this movie. I think that's why I liked it. Yeah, it was just like mm. nudging it a little bit. Like, it wasn't mangling us, but it was. No, it was enough for reasonable doubt. Yeah. It almost felt like there is a there is a this felt like the kind of movie that probably on a smaller scale written to a higher bar of intellect would have been a really captivating, like low budget dramatic thriller. Like the idea is strong. And I think because what you're saying is I think I totally agree with you. And look, if, if that was he what he was intending, the good for him. You know, I'm sure he's he's selling a lot of tickets, but because it ended up playing to the middle and that campy tone kind of ran throughout. I still, even though I made that comment at the beginning about like, yeah, I was, I didn't think I was waiting for some big twist. You know, you're kind of watching it play out more than waiting for the twist. I still kind of felt the whole time, like they're not going to present anything new within this tone that within this tone and within these characters and within this structure, if they don't go away from it and try to subvert it somehow, and I don't know. I think they just kind of lived within it. And because of that, I don't know. I was kind of just watching and waiting for the next plague just because I started being entertained by watching people die in mass numbers, which was like, I have to I buzz mean, those that. Were kind of the, <laughs> those were kind of the coolest parts of the movie when they would turn the TV on and you would get to watch like the world burn just because yeah. what was happening in the cabin that, that stopped was a, being as interesting to that me was because definitely it was the a same device. thing over and over again. That was a device that was added for the movie, definitely, because they didn't have the TV in the book. I don't True. Know. It was... I also didn't uh, the there were so many things that happened in the cabin that were like like the cutting of the it's a totally quiet room. <laughs> Are you kidding me? And he's like slicing away with a rope, like it also looked like he was in front of them. It also it also 
he it was also moving. Looked, it looked like he was doing something to another person behind them. You know, like the way the action was happening. Like, I'm surprised they weren't like, what's going, what's going on? You know? Yeah. yeah. No, I'm surprised so they I weren't guess, like, oh, the, he's cutting his the, rope. <laughs> they went a little I crazy. The dramaturgical way to yeah. say this was that I really appreciated the idea. And this is probably from the book that these four regular people were like, what the fuck? Why do we have to do this? And that conflict that they were dealing yeah. with, that is a lovely idea. Yeah. Go there. Go there. I, I know what you're saying, Jeff, about how I appreciated how short and underwritten the flashbacks were. Jeff's listener is referring to the flashbacks of the the main characters. The, well, we, the family. Yeah, we, we only ever get we didn't them. Get to, yeah. We didn't really get to experience. I feel like there was a richer, more controversial that would have put the movie back on me a little bit more. It would have been if a good I wasn't TV just show. Watching, if I wasn't just watching, you know, people emote conflict. Which also, I'm sorry, but like, if I heard anybody else like, <laughs> like that fucking like fluttery breath, crying, like this, this whole thing was just. Well, that it, was just it, the ghost. It, it, he was jacking off to, behind him in the chair. Man, there was just so much of it throughout that, like, everybody was just. I just felt like I was supposed to feel the tension that was introduced to me so quickly that nothing else really changed, and I Do kept it, waiting for it to shift well, to shift or pivot and find a different, more interesting way to give more conflict to them. But it was the same right. idea it was at the beginning that it was at the end. And that's, you know what this I don't was? know. You tell me if that's good storytelling. Sorry to make another good, another theater reference, but this was a one act show. You know, this mm -hmm. is a, this is a, this is an 80 minute one act show that does well in festivals because people go drinking afterwards and then go see <laughs> another show. I saw this, in the, like, I saw like this in the afternoon and it was great. And then I saw another movie that I'll talk about later at night. That was a much better night movie. This is a great afternoon movie. <laughs> afternoon, it's cold outside. I'm going to stay it on inside and in a theater, of course, and watch this movie. Jeff, that's kind of what I was talking about, though. Like, not, and this is I'm not this isn't I'm not trying to be derogatory at all, but that's why I think some antho anthology series like do so well with cramming a single idea. Mm into an hour and like when it's done really well it's like you know it's yeah. just like god that's yeah. perfect we don't need it's, it's a whole very, new structural thing it's very very hard to flesh out the apocalypse yeah and i, I you know, whatever <sighs> yeah maybe yeah. it's no I, it, I, mean, it like is. Being, I think i'm being harder on it just because i'm i'm playing the role right now in this episode it's it's two against one and Whoever is that one usually I'm not, sounds I'm more negative than I'm they not, are. I'm not against you in this case. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to disprove you. I'm trying to see. Right. I'm trying. Okay. To me, the point of our podcast is a lot of critics harp on the negative. We are having a conversation where we're trying to keep it positive. And if there's negative things, don't we want to talk and explain our podcast. No, no, to no but I'm saying, the, I'm saying the premise is good because you're asking about these. Fight. Essentially, what you're saying is, shouldn't we care about these things? And Dave and I are saying maybe. Maybe not, because somebody out there doesn't give a fuck about these, and they probably. I hope they turned our podcast for sustenance, and then I hope our, our our Matt and Mark friends are listening to you, pissed off at Dave and I, and so. <laughs> Very not curious to hear what they say. I, I was. I, I'll repeat what I said at the beginning, though. I think it's good enough. I walked out of the theater in like every M Night Shyamalan. Everybody feels so comfortable talking about his movies afterwards in the hall. I heard some people saying that was the worst fucking movie I've ever seen. And I heard some dudes say, I yeah, but you're fucking in Los Angeles. It. Yeah, like, exactly. Two, you know, exactly. No, I heard, that like, New, I heard that in New York as well. Yeah. Uh, we're, yeah come on. So, coastal, I mean, us coastal elites. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. This was, um, this was, this was pretty good. Um, some of the performances, I agree with you, were quite good. Mm. 
right. Highlight one or two so we don't try to figure out. Well, this is a share. this is a positive film podcast, so I don't want to uh, I don't want to talk about the people who aren't. Yeah, exactly. Aren't good. Oh come on! Come now on, you're, now you're just on being... the trigger. <laughs> I really come on. I will agree with you that I will agree with you that um, Dave Batista impressed me. I, I wish he had had more to do because I think he mm. I think he did his job really well at the beginning, and I was I wanted to see him evolve. And I think he ended up having to do the same thing over and over again, which is not his fault at all. He did it really well. Um, um, I, I'm going I'm I'm to agree with you really quick about Dave Batista in that I, he, he, they had an opportunity to, to wrap it in at the end. And they decided, to take, they decided to take the route that would have been really great if he was crazier during the movie. You know what I mean? So that we could have had some more levels. I, I agree with you. Hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely, man. There's so okay. many things they could have done. Uh, Jonathan Groff is always good, and and he was good. And I'll stop there. You didn't like the little girl? She's a girl, man. I don't know. What do you want me to say? Like, of course, she's she's a child actor. You don't put bad children no, no, in movies. She was engaging to watch, and yeah. she responded in a, in a, under imaginary circumstances to her pretend parents. Yeah, she was good. I'm Again, talking about I'm talking about the end with the like, radio. That one was, scene with the radio. See, I'm just. Yeah, sure. I guess it wasn't like that bench scene in fucking Finding Neverland where you're like, "What the fuck is this child? This child is just, you know, acting circles around like an A-list celebrity next to them." She did her job really, really well. What I appreciate more about her was that she was she was willing to be put in. It's not even her fault, but like I kept thinking, and you're supposed to think, Jesus Christ, the trauma this little girl is going through, and. <laughs> I think one thing I would have liked for them to push her a little bit more on is what was it doing to her? Cause we never got to see how she felt about it. Like they, they commented on it in lines from their script characters said parents, daddy, Andrew, or daddy, Eric said, close your ears and close your eyes until I tell you to go into the, until I tell you to, but we never really saw, I think M night missed an opportunity to go in close on her during one of these things and watch her listen to the beheading or something like that. Like, and you know what? The fact that you told me the end of this book, that is a much better fucking ending. So the fact that, <laughs> that he was seems working to be the consensus from, of uh, every, the fact every that media he's publication. From a fear of putting her into the actual trauma, but still introducing the idea of the fact that this child's being, you know, or exposed I wonder, to trauma. Or I wonder if he thought that the fact that this is a gay couple being told by a straight man, maybe he didn't want, maybe he wanted what we got, which seemed to be. Their storylines seem to be representative of a larger issue, as opposed to in many cases that we've covered on this podcast, where sometimes your specifics, I think you mentioned, John, a quote from somebody one time that was the most specific is the most vulnerable. I think that is a Scorsese quote, right? So it's like, rather than just let this particular, their uniqueness be universal however people want it does seem like he wanted to open it up a little bit and make it a little bit more you know with, to connect that storyline from I, beginning I, to end. I did like they weren't just the token gay couple like it was necessary for the story to proceed like were they yeah, not I did were, like that. yeah i don't yeah. even know what that means anymore but yeah i know what you mean yeah <laughs> um what did no, you a lot, guys a lot of filmmakers will just throw idea? a same sex like the cw throws same sex stuff out like like it's fucking candy. Not anymore. Because are they gay? Yeah. Are they a gay male couple in the book? Uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, well, that's good that they kept it. And um, okay, so I don't know if this is in the book or not, but the fact that Rupert's character was a real—he did come in contact with them in real life in yeah. a negative way before was... this. 
That was an I awesome like that was Doubt just, Seater. Yeah. Yeah, Doubt Seater, but I don't know. I, like, I, I don't I, know I, if it's to blame the author or not, but it's like, a little isn't that bit a lovely of a, random? A little bit of a cheap uh-huh, like, A great. little bit of a cheap shot. They just wanted the doubt to be there. You know what I mean? They wanted some more reason mm. for doubt, which they probably could have doubled down on more if we're being hypercritical. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dave, a whole lot of those, um, those, those kinds of things. Dave, what did you think about the last shot in the car when it was playing the same song? Which, yes, is ridiculous, but the no, way I that love they, that. but the way they played it out with the five different stops and starts. Um, at first, it irked the shit out of me, but by the time we got to like the third one, I was like, "Yeah, all right, I get it." Yeah, it's like fun, everyone's right? everyone's fighting with an issue right now, but her reaction when that song came on at first sold it for me completely. That's why I gave it some slack. You know, my favorite like was the reaction was, on that kid yeah. when that music comes on is amazing. I think I loved it. Wasn't it that she turned at one point she turned it off because she was like, "You're right," and then she's yeah. like, "No," and then she turned it back on again. I love that they like she changed her mind. It's not like they were arguing with each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like little things like that. Are, they work for me in this yeah. kind of thing. I mean, that scene worked for me. Let's talk, mainly let's talk, because of her reaction at the beginning. Okay, so now we've talked about the content of the film a lot. So. It, you can't watch this movie and not wonder why there's so many extreme close-ups. And also, not only were there a lot of focus shifts, I don't have the language for this, that's why I'm asking you, but I'll start with mm-hmm. Dave. The edges of the screens changed. They, com- they, they completely changed. I don't know if the aspect ratio changed, but every time they did a focus shift, I don't know what lenses they were using, but you uh, you can't be in the theater and not wa- see that the edges of the screens change whenever yeah. they do these focus shifts. So what, Some, what was going on with these well, choices? Sometimes it's, uh, it's a lens shift change, like it'll change the curvature around the edges of the frame. It. it changed the curvature, um, yeah. But other times as well, um, the lens choice versus the camera choice, the lens is not quite right for the camera plate, so you get darkened edges um, so around think- the... There is one shot in there that does have it, but, like, you get darkened edges because it's the, the lens is going... It doesn't fit the camera plate. It's cutting off the corners. So they There's a really gratuitous one in La La Land <laughs> if you want to see a great example of it. Oh, that one best cinematography, the Oscars. Right? Yeah. Yeah. One 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 of their lenses doesn't fit their fucking camera plate. Best cinematography. Fuck you guys. Wow. <laughs> I'm sure he did that on purpose. Yes, I am. Well, I'm sure M. Night did like a shot from a I'm camera sure in a Linus, garden. It looks, sure it looks like an paper. afterthought. Like, And it doesn't match anything else in the film. I wish the grasshoppers came yeah. back. Um, not for, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it again. It's a great afternoon movie in, yeah. in, the, win, in the winter. By great, I, I mean, I'm not saying great movie. I said great afternoon movie in the winter, new release that I saw with other people. The coldest day in the world. And the, yeah, no, and yeah, the whole movie, world. Honestly, it was fun. <laughs> uh, Elizabeth, and I, Elizabeth and I saw it together, and she liked it much, much less than I did. Um, less? And I think she liked I just, it less than you. Oh, my God. Great. Yeah, yeah, your door's half uh, open, dude. She's packing a suitcase in the background. It's, it's <laughs> honestly. Uh, I, like I said, I went in with I felt were were reasonable expectations, um, and I, I think I was right. And I, I think if you do if, that, it's going to be okay. I think my co-hosts are blowing it up a little bit more than it actually deserves. No, th- this is really what I felt. I felt good things. Um, if you saw, <laughs> if you saw old in cinemas, or you know what, forget about that. If you saw, we're sorry. If you, <laughs> if you saw. The, the opening thing that M. Night Shyamalan did in Old, where he was thanking people. So when John Krasinski did this, and by the way, I'll, I'll also remind everybody who mis- forgets this, John Krasinski had a show uh, that was for free about highlighting people during the pandemic that were doing good, 
And then he sold it for millions of dollars to CBS <laughs> and everybody got fucking pissed at him. When he had um, Quiet Place 2 come out, he thanked every, he did the thing, you know, now it's not too, even before that, the Nicole Kidman thing, he's like, thanks for coming back to the theater. We really appreciate it. We know there's a risk. You guys are the best. Thank you for supporting this film. You, you mean, every, this is why we do it, whatever. M. Night Shyamalan did one and he seems like he was being held at gunpoint to do it. He was oh my God, so dude, the, the end of that is fucking terrifying because he's like, Totally. No, he's talking to the camera and then he stops after he's saying thank you and they haven't cut yet, but it's like someone fucking switched him off. He went full dead face. And it yeah. was like what like that was more scary than the movie. Yeah. I feel like John, you put a yeah. self-imposed leash on yourself knowing that Dave and I like this movie more than you probably expected. If you saw that opening, but his old <laughs> opening for this movie, yeah, you would cut that leash and fucking terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, and I and you know, you know why you guys maybe because I didn't see old maybe that's why you guys are like you know what he's back the kid is back <laughs> yeah. after yeah after totally seeing old you should watch yeah, he watch still, old he's for some an context. American, guys he's an American treasure I said it in the uh, the village episode he is one like, of our only auteurs like he still gets people to come see his movies he's made a lot of movies in his career we're still seeing them we're still talking about at least them. he relegated so his cameo in this one to like a cable tv channel like i it, did it like was, his cameo it, yeah it wasn't one. it wasn't this the one, one guy that explains all the plot holes at the in end si- of the movie in, like. in signs <laughs> he's like hey here's something the audience didn't think about because why would they have bye that was signs <laughs> he's like you know they're not around water and everybody in the theater goes huh We've only been on this farm in Iowa, but you're right. I guess he, they haven't been around water. And that's like the point of the movie. Because <laughs> yeah, corn, cornfields don't oh, have boy. sprinklers. Guys, my favorite thing about M. Night is that, first of all, Sixth Sense is not his first movie. I think it's his second. But um, he just he just assumed Fuck, everybody... Knew, first? What have I missed? He just assumed that everybody knew the ending. So he just made the, you know what I mean? I thought that was great because when he assumes they don't know the ending, it seems like that's where he's getting into problems, <laughs> which is yeah. every other movie he's ever made. All right. What did you guys think of? Because um, again, Dave, I think most people have not read the book. Yeah. So Jeff, were you thinking about the Four Horsemen allegory? No, I didn't the think whole about Four Horsemen. No, I didn't care. Actually, I didn't I care. Until, you know what? I, haven't I read didn't the book care either. enough to think about the Four Horsemen. I just was like, whatever. Let's keep going. I haven't read the book. I researched the like the synopsis of the book after I saw the film. Um, the Four Horsemen thing I got while I was watching the movie. Mm. I should have gotten it. I just didn't care enough to care that much. But you know, I figured yeah. they would tell they would tell me everything I needed to know. Why do I need to? Well, like, I'm, I'm I was a, seeing I was seeing another movie later that night. I didn't need to like. I'm a give big it all fan of all the one. different personifications of like Four Horsemen, like Neil Gaiman stuff in Good Omens, and mm. like yeah, anytime they personify the the Four Horsemen, I'm like really curious about how they're going to portray it because some some directors really have some fucking fun with it. Um, four whores, man. Four whores. Uh, yeah. um, so his yeah, first pronouncing his, it wrong for years. <laughs> his first directorial feature starred himself called Praying with Anger. Came out in 1992 and has a. And is that with an A or an E? Praying with Anger. Yeah, I just picture a guy really pissed off on Dateline. It's it's a, a is an anger ang, anger. What the fuck? Praying, praying, <laughs> praying with an A. <laughs> Mm. Oh, Dave, that's pretty good. Um, I don't know, 1992. Um, how old is he? Do the math. He is uh, 70, so he was 22. So that's pretty fucking young. But he made a full feature. Uh, so whatever. But that's not the one that really counts. The one that really counts, of course, my motherfucker just 
my motherfucking app just refreshed. Uh, his second movie, 1998, Wide Awake, 5.9 on IMDb, hour and a half. Stars uh, Joseph Cross. He looks familiar. Uh, a guy from Milk and Lincoln. And Dennis Leary's in this movie. So anyway, oh. he made that in 1998, and then Six Senses in 1999. It's like Dennis Leary made a whole bunch of movies in that one little section, and they just was never seen again. Well, he did Rescue Me. He made his TV money, and then he said, okay, cool, so I don't have to do well, this anymore. Also, Demolition Man. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. Look, M Night, M Night is so established. There are there's there are classes in film schools dedicated to the, his films. Is it night school? There, there is a there is a. <laughs> I saw. Damn, I saw an art that laugh. Oh my god, your Green Goblin laugh just came out in this episode. Jesus, the Will and Defoe. I saw in our registrar there was a summer class offered through our film media studies program for like dissecting the. The filmography of M. Night Shyamalan. Guys, how and, to uh, how to how to, it matters. How to make money a, averaging a 5.0 yeah. on IMDb. I mean, like, you, you, honestly, you walk, like you walk into that class and it's just like a TV screen, a boxing ring. Guys, the, <laughs> guys, the last airbender 4.0. Oh, yeah, 5.0. Now, granted, part of it is also the allure. You know what I mean? Like you, you feel it's easier to grade somebody like M. Night lower than you probably want. But then it probably deserves or not. I don't know. You can argue that later. But I don't have a point. That's it. It's just easier to grade him low. But like it, these, these are really low scores. But well, let's give him let's give him credit. And I use the word campy. I don't think that's a negative thing necessarily. Mm. I think he's so successful and still gets people to see them because he was never a slasher person. Yeah, he yes. had horrific elements to typically dramatic tales. And whenever you have a director like that, there's something that he said from the very beginning where he was like, I'm taking these things serious enough so that you should too. And it's just kind of like, I don't think this is going to happen. But if Ari Aster or, Rob, or Roger Eggers, Robert Eggers, Roger Eggers, Robert, Robert Eggers, if they fell off and they were like started making things that were much less you know, captivating than their first couple things, we probably would still give them a chance every time just because we know they're, they're taking it seriously. It, none of the, none of these movies that M Night has made in the past fifteen years, fifteen because the Village came out in oh six, right? Wasn't that oh six, or earlier than that? Oh five or oh four? Hmm. Um, so second. none of these that he's made in the past like fifteen years four. feel like feel like no offense, Scream Six. You know what I mean? Where it's kind of like wink, wink. We're only doing this for that tiny niche that wants to keep going on this on this kind of journey for these kinds of movies. This every time he releases one, he's kind of saying, "I'm trying again. Come take it. Come judge me and come see for yourself." And so I just I do want to give it up for him for that because I mean this is um, dude. There's a whole bunch so of like prolific. Gen Z have never seen Scream, <laughs> the original. Well, well, now, and now <laughs> yeah, Jenna sure. Ortega's in the next one, so they're all going to yeah. go see it. Um, yeah. Um, well, she was in the last one. Yeah. So people. Yeah, yeah. But now she's Jenna Ortega. You know, before yeah. she was the yeah. girl on the Disney Channel show. Now yeah. she's Wednesday. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and, and Servant sure. keeps getting renewed. So even though he loves people going to the cinema, he directed four episodes of that. They all have an 8.0 or higher because people only people who have actually seen it go to grade TV episodes. And um, they, they probably is going to get renewed for a fourth season. So I I, this I, movie would have been better as a, as a TV series. Ask, has anyone seen Servant? No, no, I haven't seen it at all. I, I feel like I, I'm it's going to... It's third season? It's about to start yeah. its fourth and final. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Holy crap! Wow, I didn't even um, yeah, know about it. I'm I'm gonna have to watch it. I'm just curious to see how he goes with the TV format. Well, Rupert is in it. Oh, nice. 
I'll enjoy and, that. Uh, and well, and we, sh go. we should say really quick, we should wrap this up, but um, the uh, Nikki Amuka Bird, who plays Sabrina in this movie, was in old. So he is good to mm. his actors. He's good to his fellow actors. So maybe people just want to be in the club, you know, because there's... Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, a lot of people do that. Once they find a good crew, they stick with it. And maybe Batista and Jonathan Groff and even Rupert Grant got some of those points. Maybe they're doing yeah. the Blumhouse model here. And, <laughs> you know, the shit's going to get Who made. Knows? It's going to get seen. It's going to make money. And hopefully it's good. I feel like it's worth it. It's, you know, it's worth a shot. Cool. He's such a competent director. Yeah. And I mean that positively. I don't mean like the low bar of that. I mean, like he, he seems like he really understands how to use the elements of cinema to to motivate audiences to feel a certain way. Mm. This is no hack on his writing, but just as an experiment, I would love to see him direct a script written by somebody else, like a really, really excellent script, still in the dramatic, you know, maybe a darker side of the drama zone. Yeah. It's still something like it, but I would it's just like, love to see what like he would do Tarantino. with that. Tarantino, what was it, Jackie Brown was written by someone else? I think yeah. it was it was based on a book from somebody else, right? And, but yeah, it's his only adaptation. Yeah. yeah. He still wrote it. People are still I talking that, about I that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I got a similar feeling to yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, I mean, right. and like fin and Fincher Let's, and stuff. Like the, 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 the greats work with other people. Okay, we're we're, we're we get this more I time. Think we Jeff is, I think Jeff is right. I think Jeff is right. It's the good afternoon movie. It's a good thing to watch, and especially now that we're starting to touch the the giant movies are going to start coming out, Ant Man and stuff. Yep. I'm always going to be happy that there are smaller films like this that people yeah. can go take a chance on if they don't want to, you know, go to crazy large existing IP and just feel like they're and one the, of the sheep. And, doing and guys, <laughs> the twenty to thirty million dollar movie, the twenty to forty million dollar movie, they're just not actually the ten to forty million dollar movies aren't getting made. This is a twenty million dollar budget. You know, I, I, it's a, we, I feel like this is like an area we need to support. I do. I, obviously, the indies for sure, but I, I, I do speak. Okay. Oh hell yeah! Cool. All right. Thank you so much, people. I Fuck think. Fuck you. What? Who turned that off? No one turned that off. You double touched it. No, I didn't. You fucking get out of here. <laughs> well, really? I guess we're just saying it to the audience this week because it is time to move. That sound means it's time to get into our final <laughs> segment of our episode. <laughs> What you've been watching, where we give you our recommendations of the week and tell you what we've been watching. We'd like to always start with our friend Dave from Australia. Dave. Oh, uh, yeah. What have you been watching? I, uh, I tuned in. Uh, we did our, finally, uh, my wife has seen Black Panther 2. We watched that today. Um, well, last and that's night what you, and today. That's what you we, call it? You call it Black Panther 2? We had to, well, uh, yes. Um, we had to pause it halfway through because it was like three hours and it was like, I'm tired. Let's go to bed. We got up and watched the rest this morning. I had to, I had to pee morning. in the theater. I understand. Yeah. I, I made it through that one. Um, and also on Netflix, there's a new series called Lockwood and Co, which is a very interesting, it's a British series. Um, it's a very interesting, interesting premise that they have this thing that they refer to as like, basically an event happens and ghosts turn up everywhere all over the world okay. and they're killing people like they can kill people and only like teenagers can see them because humans are checked out uh, like as in old humans are checked so out and so, so it's about climate change and uh, <laughs> but no it's it's then these kids form these companies and um they go and like find out what these visitors problems are and try and get it. It's, it's very quirky and fun. We've, we're like three episodes in. We're loving it. These kids form companies. Yeah. Uh, that's why it's it. called Lockwood and co dude. I don't believe it. <laughs> it nobody likes that he's formed this company. Okay, but it I, believe, I believe it a little bit more. John, what are you been watching? 
I watched, did I mention that documentary I saw called Afghan Dreamers? Did I talk about that last weekend? No. no. Uh, it's going to be on, it's going to be on, I think it's going to be on Peacock in a couple weeks. We got to see it at school. Uh, really, really touching about the um, all-girl high school robotics team. Oh, yeah. Kabul. Okay. You might have. So yeah. anyone who heard that about the new, yeah, it was really touching. Um, rewatched Dr. Strangelove. Saw a movie called The Watermelon oh, Woman. Sure. Um which was uh, an indie film from the 90s that is um, really, really interesting. There's a really strange and fun kind of subversion that happens there. I don't really want to say too much else about mm. it, but it's a good movie. Uh, and I started watching um, this little not-so-popular show called Succession. Um, Never heard uh, of it. I'm still, I'm, I'm still <laughs> willing to take a chance. <laughs> Jeff, you got to work on your coordination issues. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This button's way too sensitive. Um, where, where are you at in, in succession, John? Somewhere in two, I don't know, probably mid two, early two. I need to watch season three. We need to coordinate so that HBO doesn't wonder why we're watching the same episode at the same time in different parts of the country. Netflix is going to cut us off. Did you hear about their new rule? Oh, yeah. If you um, sign in from a different Wi-Fi, they're going to send like a to, code. No, and if no, you don't you have enter to... it within like... No, you have to sign in for if you don't sign in from your home Wi-Fi once a month, they cut so you off. Silly. Once a month, anyway, it's stupid. You can also uh, get really, really you can also get vacation codes. They've got vacation codes that like it's like I'm going away for three, two months or whatever. Here's my hit, like I'll be away, but you have to let them know. I, I hope their stock mm-hmm. price plummets. I mean, it's gonna. People are already talking about canceling their accounts and shit, and it's. But I don't think it's going to plummet as much as people think because they trial this nah, in another country. It's fine. Stocks are made up anyway. I, Who gives also, a shit? I don't think it's going to. It, it's not going to as much profit as they think either because there's ways around it. Yeah, I rewatched uh, the Prestige. Jack, can you set up a VPN? Uh, can you set up a VPN from your Wi-Fi and your home in California? Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when I sent you guys the configuration for this show so you could have a buzzer and you couldn't even fucking figure that out? I don't think you sent up a VPN for We figured this out. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. I said, you're also trying to set up a ninja uh, thing and some other shit. Fuck, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, but then everyone's computer but yours. Fair enough. <laughs> John, what are you set up? This Dave's is great. This is why I come here every Dave, week. Dave's going to edit this drunk. I want, to, I want to get Dave as drunk as possible before he starts editing the show. John, what else did you watch? What, what, was, what did you watch before this? I wasn't listening. <laughs> I said I rewatched The Prestige. <laughs> oh, it's, be- it's better than it was yeah. the first time you saw it, it's, right? Doesn't it get that, better? That just gets better and better. Yeah, it's good. It's a good movie. Yeah. Hmm. I think he's disagreeing disagree with us. Okay. No, no, no. no. I, I like that one. Yeah. You kind of like, why did I watch this? But you, you, you're like, I'm going to watch it again. Give me your top three. No, no- it's always fun. Give yeah. me your top three Nolans really quick. <laughs> top three Nolans? Uh, Dark Knight Begins. That's boring. I hate, I, I hate this list. Okay, next. What else did you watch? <laughs> and I do want to say, um, I'm sure we all watched it, but I'll throw out some praise for um, that episode of The Last of Us was, oh my was God. really special. That was really that moving. Broke I was the not world. expecting that. Yeah. It was great. I was will really say touching. I will say um I listened to uh, uh, the both the CEO of HBO, the active CEO, the the show it doesn't fucking matter. Somebody who's really important in, in HBO and Craig Mazer, is that his name? I listened to them on separate podcasts and Craig Mazer said we figured after episodes 1 and 2 that people would need a breather from the zombie stuff. All I have to say is you make us wait a week 
That's my breather. I don't need a fucking breather. You can give me the zombies again. I promise you. That's no, my, my breather this... is the fact that it's not a binge show. I don't need a breather. Give me the zombies. I'll, that's all I'm going to say. I love this episode <laughs> too, but I could, I could, I, I was okay getting more zombies. I miss the zombies. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, we are going into it wanting some, you know, some, some fear factor. And this one was, like they said, they dramatic. said we figured you will need a breather. What do you call seven days in 2023? That's a breather. I almost forgot about the show, you know? I will say I'm, I'm excited for them to get a little Fucking bit more into some of the science. <laughs> I'm excited for them to get a little bit more into the science just because I am really, really, really enjoying the show. I wouldn't wait for that. The scientists don't but last Walking long. Dead has already done this so well. Yeah, but they were dead in Walking Dead, and this they're still alive. I think that's cool. I, shut the fuck up. I mean, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, I need more of the science so we can start to have more and more separation because it is kind of feeling like structure wise oh man you're what gonna... you just said is true i've played the game through you're gonna hate how this ends successfully and unsuccessfully in uh walking dead you know it's always like walking dead was the best when you kind of forget it's a zombie show and then like the camera pulls back and like over the next side of the hill they're like oh my god this whole world that they just spent the season building is about to be destroyed by zombies and so I'm just there's a little bit of me that's like I'm tuning in every week, very, very happy. The acting is wonderful, the writing's wonderful, every filmmaking is great. And there's a tiny little bug in my ear about now what's gonna be different about this episode than one of the many really wonderful episodes of the first four seasons of Walking Dead. Well, you got that from the last episode. Bug in your ear, stick up your ass. I, you I heard I heard Craig Mazin, <laughs> I heard Greg Mazin say um that him and his writing partner, whoever the damn, I feel bad. The showrunner, not him. Uh, they said we will only deviate from the game if we're confident that our story that we're going to do is better. Well, I can tell you that and, episode three was a massive deviation for the game. That's not in the game anywhere. Yeah, so yes. that was that's well, that's, that's why it. they were talking about it. Like it seemed like a good example. Yeah, there was an implication in the game that Ron <laughs> is it Neil <laughs> Neil Druckmann. I'm not sure. Uh, anyway, I just thought it was a good when you're when you're working with adaptations. I thought that was a really good uh, lesson just to be thinking about moving forward for for writers mm. and fun film goers who like I mean, to think of things of adaptations. Like when do you change and when do you mm. stay authentic? The fun well, thing is, the, the authentic game... isn't necessarily fun if it's not as exciting as something that can be better told or more fleshed out. To the game has purpose. some massive gaps in it, so they've got some leeway there. Like they skip like a whole. They go by season, so like you suddenly go from like fall to like winter winter to spring whatever and uh so there is room in there for extra story to pop in um from what i've heard though the entire first game is the first season so nine episodes nine episodes is the number that we're gonna get and it's gonna be two two seasons as of right now but you never know well the second season is the second game and even i haven't played that yet but uh yeah you got a year it's a hit um also, he um, was great on Saturday Night Live. I watched. Okay, so me, I watched the Saturday Night oh Live my God. episode. Did you see the Mario funny. sketch? He's, yeah, he's good. <laughs> he's very good. And Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live's in a weird spot right now. You know, I guess mm. Chloe Fineman is going to be the next Kate McKinnon type, you know, and she's sort of stepping into that role. Heidi Gardner is like around. There's like all these people that are dancing around. Like, who's yeah. going to be? We, we, we love the stars. We're star fuckers. And it's like, I guess Chloe Fineman's the one that's in every sketch, but. But he was such a delight to have as the host this week. Not that Michael B. Jordan had a couple good sketches last week too, but um, I I rewatched Dune because I can do whatever the fuck I want. Don't try to come at me. I just did. Um, no, that's fair. I did you like it again? 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't. The second one, I know there's shit coming like as soon as the second one starts, if you follow the book. And I didn't read the book, but I know this stuff's coming. First one, I, it's so good, though, isn't it? People uh, are I don't, you know undervaluing what? it, dude. There's something weird about, and I do this with Lord of the Rings. Right? I just want to watch the first one. I just want to like live in Hobbiton for a little bit. You know what I mean? I wish <laughs> yeah. there were some more like like a little chapter. They wouldn't let you just, do that. I wish there were some side quests. Just speaking yeah. of the video game terminology, I wish there were some side quests that I could do in Hobbiton. Because they leave Hobbiton, it's like, oh, you know what I mean? Like I don't want to see Frodo in the fucking with the the, the bats, the the bats up with you know the giant like birds flying around. I just want to see him in Hobbiton like fucking around drinking beer and being like, they don't know that something's not right, but I do. Like I want more of that. Anyway, um, what else did I watch? Uh, I watched this. Uh, I always love the Thirty for Thirties, the Fab Five documentary. I think it's great if you like your sports. I like the Fab Five documentary on ESPN's Thirty for Thirty. Uh, oh, and I watched all of Kaleidoscope on Netflix, which I did like. Shout out to Buddy John Yee from college, who's in a couple episodes here and there as one of the twins, for those of you who've oh, seen wow. it. So Kaleidoscope is um, a show where you can you don't have to watch it in order. And I've heard different things. I think Netflix does curate an order for you. It's not in chronological order per se, but like you can watch it in whatever order you want in theory. Weird. I don't think that benefits the show particularly well. I'll, I wish they made a deliberate choice, but it is cool. Is that like a Rashomon kind of thing? Like nah, that's why you can do it? I, I don't, you don't need to put that. You don't need to use those kinds of words. <laughs> is that a perspective show though? It's like a... No, 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 no. Giancarlo okay. Esposito is the lead and Rufus Sewell is sort of like the main antagonist. I will say there is, you know, me, dialogue writing is the thing I'm most critical about and there are definitely some trope, tropey characters. Hey, let's give all the asshole lines to one person, you know, those kinds of things, so that this one person is just such an asshole that you're like, why, why are they even in here? Oh, they have good yeah. sex. It's still not good enough. I'm so sorry. This is a heist movie. But all the heist stuff... At least stuff, on this show, I we liked. take turns. I like mm. the heist stuff a lot. Some of the supporting characters, both the writing and the performances did not advance the show but the heist stuff was good so, so are you recommending this or <laughs> i can't tell either yeah, yeah. that's uh i i couldn't stop watching because i like the heist stuff okay it's a heist show yeah but again they go because you don't have to watch it in order mm -hmm, it doesn't mm -hmm. have that slow build thing so it's kind of like here's this time mm. here's this time here's that time so it's like you know all right Okay, that's it. Um, did I watch anything? Oh my god, I watched All Quiet on the Western Front, which I'm not going to say anything about in case we end up covering it on this. Yeah, year, we, I think I'm pretty podcast. sure we might be doing that next week. So, oh, All Quiet. That was the the evening movie that I watched on set after I watched. Uh, yeah, I'm pumped to watch that. Mm -hmm. It's it's longer than I thought, and a lot of save, people die. Going to theaters, save right? It. How did that not go to theaters, Chris? Yeah. When you see the cinematography and the production design, you're going to sit there and go, man, I wish I was watching this. It had to have screen. gone to theaters at some point. Otherwise, it wouldn't have an Oscar nomination. When was it in fucking Dave, theaters? come on. Dude, you know how this works. They, they, they throw it no, in the theater have, in LA, yeah, they New throw York. It, it only has to be in, in, a, in has to be in the West Coast Theater for seven days. That's And Netflix I don't owns a couple if, of theaters. Yeah, I think days, yeah. they, they had so much money that I think Netflix was involved from the very get-go. But it, this came from Toronto. Toronto yeah. was its premiere. I would have loved to see it there. Um, the color, oh my God, Dave, you got to listen to the Deacons podcast of the cinematographer talking about color. He's British too, you'd like him. But the color is so great. They avoid reds as much as possible because it's a war movie. All right, well, dude, I'm, I'm going to be reds. talking about it next week probably, so it, shut up. See you guys. Thank you so much for listening to our episode on M. Night Shyamalan. Go listen to our most listened episode old, even if you, unless you want to hear John talk, and then you have to hear it most of our other episodes. Thank you so much for listening to us, and we'll see you again soon. Thanks.